Hello and welcome to the Heavy Matters podcast. It's Benny here and um, Jerry's having a hard-earned week off, but I am joined with our writers-in-chief Fletch and Tony. Happy uh, 2024 to you both. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Nice to be back. Yeah, yeah, glad to be back. Good, good year so far, Fletch. Yeah, all good. Some some good albums so far. Yeah, what do you make of the year so far, Tony? Yeah, the uh, the promos are uh, stacking up now, aren't they? So uh, yeah, we're getting in the swing of things. Um, yeah, as usual, a lot of good stuff. Just trying to keep up with it all. Yeah, yeah, true that, true that. Um, we're, so this week we are going to be reviewing albums from Ishan and Darkest Hour, and um, yeah. So we're going to go, without further ado, uh, dive straight into the self-titled album by Ishan. It's out on Candlelight Records. It's out this Friday coming. Um, Ishan, obviously of Emperor fame originally, but has had quite an extensive uh, solo career for a good number of years now. And as like a lot of artists from the original second wave of black metal scene, moved somewhat away from the core sound into potentially more proggy realms. Fletch, have you got much of a relationship with uh, Ishan's work up until this point? Um, not too much. I've listened to a couple of albums, and but it's not something I've ever really spent a lot of time with in terms of the solo stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Tony? Um, yeah, I'm a big Emperor fan, but um, the solo stuff, I'm kind of... I'll, Definitely not a super fan by any means, but I've got a vague sort of, sort of knowledge of um, where he's been and what he's been doing. Yeah, so um, this album comes out. It's kind of a, uh, for want of a better word, a double album or a two-sided album, which has got a more, more conventional progressive metal side and then a purely symphonic side. So... Why don't we start off with you, Tony, and telling us what your initial thoughts were when you first stuck this on? Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of sort of talk about it being sort of the most extravagant sort of thing he's done and the sort of most sort of progressive sort of album. And whilst I don't know if I agree with that, um, I do think just purely songwriting wise, it's probably the best thing I've heard from him yet. Um, but yeah, with the um, I mean, with it being sort of, it's definitely progressive, and it's definitely the or the or orchestral stuff is really well done. I mean, it's big and bombastic and everything. Um, but in that sort of sense, I do sort of wonder if it does anything that I haven't heard from other sort of symphonic orchestral metal bands before. Um. Again, not that it's not really well done and it sounds brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, I think just in a songwriting wise, sort of that sophistication and class that he brings to his to his music, I think that is sort of the, the, the takeaway that I got from this album. Yeah, yeah, no, I get, I definitely get those points. Uh, I mean, Fletch, what about you when you were coming into this? What were your initial thoughts when you were stuck it on? My initial thoughts were, first of all, I, in terms of it being split, obviously having the, the normal, for want of a better word, side and then the orchestral side, I think 
I enjoyed the orchestral side to listen to as a sort of curiosity once, but that's sort of one I'll probably never listen to again. The orchestral one, that's fire that one. And the, yeah, that was that was interesting and then move on. The um the, the regular side though, however, yeah, I mean I, I think it's really impressive. I think I had the opposite reaction to a few people in in the group chat when I first listened to it. I think it was like in the background while I was working and I just I really didn't vibe with it at all. I was like this, not really, not too sure about this. But then obviously subsequent listens of I've sat down, I've had a proper you put your proper headphone listen and give it more and more time and every time I've I've enjoyed it more. Every time I've had a more attentive listen and picked out more details. So it's actually it's flipped my opinion on it really from from my first listen to, to where I am now. And even now after quite a few listens, I still think it's probably gonna take a bit more time with it to keep growing. But yeah, I'm I'm quite positive on it now after that first initial experience. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fair to say he's clearly, um, whilst he, he has his roots in black metal, he's clearly grown and become so much more progressive over time. And this is a very progressive album. There is plenty, like you say, to sink your teeth into and more and more reveals itself, I guess, after each listen. Um, a couple of questions for both of you, I guess. So start, starting with you, Fletch. What, what was your... Was it kind of as heavy or heavier than you were expecting when you put it on? Um, I think because I had heard some of his solo albums, I wasn't I wasn't going into it expecting full on full on black metal riffs all over the place. So I did have like expectations sort of tempered in in that regard. So I was actually quite quite pleased when it did you know it did it did bring it in and you did bring the riffs in and. I think one of my favourite things about the album was some of the choruses, actually, when he does some of the clean singing. I thought that was some really catchy stuff on there that I really, really enjoyed. I think it's Blood Trails to Love. Is it one of the song titles? that I think that was like a highlight for me on the album. I had a bit, a bit of everything that I, I wanted from it in the one song. So, Yeah, what about you, Tony? Heavy or not as heavy? What What would you say? Uh, it was about on par with my expectations, I'd say. Um, there were a few bits of it that did remind me a little bit of sort of Latter Day Emperor. Uh, there was a song called um, where's it gone? Uh, Pilgrimage to Oblivion, which really reminded me of that sort of Latter Day stuff, um, which was nice, a nice little throwback. But, um, yeah, I think I'm a bit more with Fletch in that I think the m- more melodic stuff is the most impressive stuff on here. Um I've also written down uh, Blood Trails to Love. That has got the most epic chorus on the album, I'd definitely say. Um, there's a song as well called uh, A Taste of the Ambrosia, which is really dark and sort of dramatic. Uh, a few twists and turns in there, but yeah, really, really melodic. And um, I think the last track as well, At the Heart of All Things Broken, is uh, it's a really beautiful song and it might be one of um, the best things he's put his name to from what I've heard. So yeah, I think he's really... Um, when he really hones in on the melodic side of things, um, yeah, I really that really um, does it does it for me rather than the heavier stuff. Yeah. I also think you, you don't really need the orchestral disc that much anyway because there's quite a lot of uh, symphonic and orchestral stuff on the on the regular the regular tracks anyway, isn't there? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I could do about it, to be honest, um, that bit. I mean, um, as you say, it's it's impressive and it's it's nice to listen to, but it's not something I'd think I'd ever, ever go back to. Um, but yeah, it's nice. It's 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 nice that it's there. I think it's a, uh, it's it's definitely impressive. Um, but isn't it? I think the orchestral bit, isn't it? It's just kind of the orchestral bits taken out of the songs. Which and you, and you do kind of think oh, it, it's already there. So, um, so yeah, it's not really um, it's not really a big a big draw to go back to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just pick up on a couple of bits that you said. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that track "Pilgrimage to Oblivion" really reminds me of the last Emperor album, Prometheus and the Tongue of Fire. I, in particular, the track in the Wordless uh, Chamber, and I, I mean, look, I'm no connoisseur with this Sean Solo stuff. I mean, I've listened to the Adversary and Emeritus, um, but I'm no, I'm by no means a connoisseur, but my initial impression was this was a little bit heavier than I was expecting and I am more used to with his more proggy solo stuff him having that cleaner more melodic vocal and in, in in a lot of these tracks he does does have that kind of almost croaky raspy vocal that is more kind of in keeping with the black metal stuff so it for me it was a little bit heavier albeit that's a bit tempered with the orchestration and everything else but it did it did have a bit more bite than i was expecting and yeah like like you pointed out tony there were a few echoes of latter day um emperor on there which, which did somewhat surprise me but yeah i i'm with both of you that i for my money i, I prefer him when he is doing that more melodic stuff the, the progier work um in particular like Blood Trails to Love, like you've said, Hubris and Blue Devils, and that penultimate track, The Heart of All Things Broken. I think his cleaner, more melodic vocal, I do think just works better with this more expanded, for want of a better word, proggy, proggy stuff. Um, so, so uh, uh, and those latter tracks that we mentioned are kind of what I was expecting from this album. So it was a, it was a bit interesting for me, in particular, that it started a little bit heavier. But just to go back to some of the symphonic, the symphonic aspect to it. I, I mean, again, I think I'm with you guys that I, I'm not really that interested in the second disc from from the album. But he's clearly a very, he, he's a maestro. Clearly, very ambitious, very much a virtuoso, and you can tell that he's wanted to push the boat out here and include a full orchestra orchestration on the tracks and the question that i've got for both of you um is has he uh, i'll go to fletch first with this has he has he tried too hard in a way to fit in the orchestration around the songs rather than having the songs and then fitting the orchestration around that does that make sense has he has he gone too far with that trying to shoehorn in the orchestration and and that to want a better word kind of costing the song somewhat um I, I get i get the point but i'm not really i don't really think the songs i didn't when i'm listening to it i don't i don't feel i don't like nothing jumps out to me that it, it feels a bit shoehorned in i think like i said if, if we didn't have that second disc 
where he's just showing off the Orkesh for stuff. I don't think I'd have thought twice about it. I'd have just thought, oh, he's, he's got some nice Orkesh for stuff in there. So I, for me, I don't think anything's really any, anything's really suffered from, from having it. I don't think he's done too much in that regard. Um, keep going back to the second disc, but I'd, I'd, I'd rather it not be there if it meant that I was going to have to buy a double vinyl, for instance, <laughs> and pay for both discs that. when that I could one. just get the if I could just get the one. Um, but the actual, the, like I said, the regular tracks, I don't, I don't personally feel that it's it suffers from it. Yeah, fair enough. What about you, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Really, I think it's just he's he's just adding another um, string to his bow. I think with this, um, and yeah. On listening to the album proper, it never sort of jarred me and or sort of took me out of the songs, so to speak. So, yeah, I think, as I said, I think it's it is done really well. It's very bombastic and epic, and it's put together brilliantly. So, um, so yeah, it's just him um, trying his hand at a, a new aspect, which um, yeah, like like everything else he's kind of done is um, he's pulled it off. Yeah, fair enough. So, Fletch, summing up. What are your takeaways from the album? And we'll, I guess, go on to the scoring as well. But it, before you sum up, is this the kind of thing as well that you think you're going to go back to a lot over the year? And do you think it's something that's going to trouble your end of year lists? Um, I'm not really sure about the, the end of year list thing. It's, a, it's very much early days and there's a lot of... Um, a lot, of, a lot of things still to come, but the the actual disc, the normal disc, for want of a better word, is is something I do think I will go back to. It's um, it's quite. As I said it's. I'm not the biggest prog fan, but it's it's. I don't know. I enjoy it. it's a. It's a challenge of listening. That there's a lot a lot there, but it's quite an easy listen at the same time. I I found myself wanting to listen to it again and put it put it on again. So. I think it is something I will go back to. Um, so I'm quite impressed in in that regard, especially after, as I said, after my initial impressions, it did did turn quite differently. But I think it's too soon to say. I think the the rest of the year will have to maybe fall a bit flat for it to be high on my end of year list. But but you never know. We'll see. But in terms of a score, I've, I've as I said, I've changed right rounds, and I'm going to go with a nice solid round eight. Lovely stuff. Take it away, Tony. Um, yeah, in terms of going back to it, I think I definitely will. I mean, I've listened to it a lot over the past few weeks, um, and it has really got its 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 claws in in me. Um, I've got the uh, chorus to "Blood Trails to Love" going around my head as we speak. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely a standout track for me. Um, in terms of end of year list, probably not. I'd be surprised if it snuck in there, but but you never know. Um, as I say, it's definitely uh, le- left a bit of an impression on me, so um, so we'll see. But yeah, in terms of a score, I had the exact same as Fletch uh, in my head. Um, yeah, a nice round eight for me. Nice for me. I I mean, he is one of these guys, and I kind of see him in a little bit, although not musically similar a bit like Devin Townsend in a way that he's almost he obviously started off doing one thing but he's branching to so much more and he's 
this kind of virtuoso mad scientist genius and uh, a lot of people really kind of revere him and, and and will really love this record and i think if you're one of those people i think you will really like this record i've never whilst being an emperor fan i've never been one of those people and his music for me is is obviously very dark and um it's obviously meant to be very dark but there's just something about it that doesn't quite always click with me and it's i can't see myself rushing back to this record loads and loads of the year but as i say if you do like his stuff i think you will really like this album in terms of the orchestration i it's it's clearly just a sign of how ambitious he is and the the wish to do something much uh, on a much more grander scale bring in all of this orchestration and having the the separate orchestra disc um but for me it didn't quite work and there are a lot of the times where i felt there are gaps in the quote-unquote heavier music just where he's happy having like a violin fill in almost just for the sake of it and this might seem like quite a lazy comparison but when you've got the orchestration on one of the classics like snm by metallica the orchestration is there very much to augment the songs. And obviously the songs are written first. Um, but here it almost seems like the other way around, like he's tried to get the orchestration in front and centre and the songs almost have to fit around that. But look, as I say, that that's a minor point and probably a taste point on my side of things. But um, yeah, I whilst I really like this, I can't see myself going back to it loads. I can't see it in the end of in the end of year list i've gone slightly lower i've gone 7.5 but i think as i say a really good record what i will say as well though if you do like your prog and black metal mixed keep an eye out for the book nagar album in a couple of weeks instead then <laughs> good shout good shout great well let's move on um so we'll go on to the dark tower and um this band slightly surprised me looking looking them up before the show have been around for an awful awfully long time they've been around for the best part of 30 years out of washington dc um they kind of came up through that new wave of american heavy metal and metal quarter great or a lesser degree bands like kill switch engage unearth shadows fall um one thing i guess is a question a question i had for both of you is well whether the Dark Star band, either of you particularly know well or have liked for a while, and and what your kind of stock idea is when someone says to you Dark Star, what kind of band you think of, and it maybe start with Tony on the, on that one. Yeah, I feel quite strongly about Dark Star, um, and I think they're one of the most underrated metal bands um, of the twenty first century. Are we in the 20th century here. Um, yeah, I think their early albums really epitomized like why metalcore was so vital. And it felt when it first came out, it felt quite dangerous that sort of at the gates played by like a hardcore band sort of sound. Um, why that was so sort of popular and why it took off in that in that way. Um it was just a shame that Darkest Hour never really seemed to get out of sort of the second tier, really um of of that scene um with your kill switches and your i suppose lamb of god sort of around that sort of time 
Um, yeah, it's a real shame. And I just think the reason for that might be they never really had the big hit to sort of take them to that next level. They never really had like a an end of heartache or a my last serenade or a, or a redneck or something like that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to love with Darkest Hour, I think. I'm glad I threw to you, Tony. It sounds like you're going to be the uh, the official word on them today. What about you, Fletch? Um, I, Tony said they're quite an underrated band, and I think to prove that, they're a band that I had never really listened to or had much exposure to. I think when I checked like my like Spotify history, I think I've got one album of theirs in my in my library, but I don't really remember listening to it much. <laughs> but it's, it's got it's got itself in there at some point, so. No, just not a band I've ever really been exposed to. Because, like, like as Tony said, they must they've never really had a breakout hit or anything like that. So they've never really, you know, made the made the way onto my radar. So just the, the, a new entity to me, really. I mean, yeah, I, uh, I mean, I think that's probably a fair reflection of them in terms of their size. They're kind of a band that all of us will have known and heard about, but yeah. Uh, and to me, they've always struck me as, again, a band with fans who really like them and will really support them. But they've they've almost reached that size and have stayed that size for the last 30 years, if that makes sense. They never really got bigger. They've not really gone away either, very much to their credit. Um, and they're the kind of band that I've not massively gone into in the past, but when I hear people speak about them, they kind of speak with a certain degree of reverence and love for them. They kind of are a very well-respected band in that scene. And when someone says Darkest Hour, always it kind of conjures up to me um, like metalcore. And I always, when someone says Darkest Hour, I always kind of think more the heavier end of metalcore, like a more hardcore version and not necessarily the big, clean, sweeping vocals of a Killswitch Engage or someone like that, but a more, I guess, a bit more bite to them, a bit more underground, a bit heavier. I guess what I, listening to this album, what I don't think I appreciated quite so much, and, and Tony's mentioned it already, was how much kind of mellow death was in their sound and it seems like Tony you might be able to enlighten us more on this whether it's just this album but to me there is much more Gothenburg soundy mellow death rather than stateside metalcore um yeah the, I mean mellow death's always been a, a massive part of their sound really um the sort of like the classic albums people go back to um you've got undoing ruin and deliver us from their sort of peak sort of time um it, it's full of melod melodeth sort of guitars it's sort of swedish guitars as i said earlier sort of played by like punks like a punk band um which is their niche really i would say um and it's not really changed throughout their whole career they've always had that sort of punk spirit with the sort of the more metal sort of in flames at the gates all that sort of all that sort of stuff that classic stuff so yeah that's something they've they've kept sort of forefront in their sound and um yeah it's not changed on this album to be honest yeah the other thing that 
is, I guess, new or newish. So they haven't released a, an album for a good number of years now. I think 2017 was the last release. So it's been a little while. I think they've had a bit of lineup changes and the lead guitarist is now apparently Nico Santora, who was from The Faceless and Fallujah. Both bands that I've um, enjoyed certainly in the past. And I wouldn't necessarily lump in with um, your darkest hours and similar bands. Have either of you kind of heard much of a faceless or Fallujah, and how does that kind of tally up with what you're hearing on this record? I mean, I'm not. Again, there are some bands that again I know sort of in passing. I'm not really that familiar with, but it doesn't surprise me in the fact that this was a lot more. Like like you guys have said, I'm just just chipping in to say that the word Melodeth features quite heavily in my notes about this album as well. I think the first when the first track kicked in, it reminded me of of like earlier in Flames straight away. So it sort of got me invested straight away. I was like, oh, this is this is this is not where I was expecting. So it it did get me really invested there straight away. So I'm not really surprised to hear that there's the connections there. Not that they're they're Melodef fans, but that there's that it was heavier than I was expecting, and there was more more of that kind of thing in there. So I guess that does sort of tally up to what I was expecting. So Tony, yeah. Um, in terms of like the Faceless, the Faceless are one of probably my favourite bands, to be honest. Um, I mean, Planetary Duality is might be in my top 10 metal albums ever i love that album um and i really miss the faceless to be honest i wish i'd come back um fallujah um i i like fallujah i'm not i don't like them as much as the faceless um and in terms of the guitars here i don't hear a lot of those sort of tech def sort of bands in this album um but then again i would never expect to um it's not really in the darkest hour wheelhouse even though the guitars are all brilliant and um, there's all there's plenty of leads and awesome sort of lead guitar playing going on. So, um, so yeah, but yeah, I definitely don't hear much of that influence here. But um, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't ever, ever expect to, to be, to be fair. Speaking of the guitars, that's another thing that was my favourite thing about the album, I think, was just, just the guitar tone and just, just the lead guitar all the way through. It was just, it's just really impressive. Yeah, I mean, for me, I it slightly surprised me how much of a guitar-driven album it was because, again, I guess it's just a preconceived kind of notion I had of the band that they would be a bit more kind of straight-ahead metalcore, whereas this is much more, for want of a better word, kind of technical and a bit more metal, and they do lean quite heavily on those quite expansive leads there's quite a lot of solos on there there's little breaks of kind of classical guitar or acoustic guitar and um yeah that kind of variety a little bit um took me aback uh, and something that i really enjoyed and there were yeah like the faceless and fallujah they do conjure a very different style of music but there were just little flavors in there and um, of those bands i that i did kind of Maybe I was slightly biased when listening to it after reading that, but I did think, oh, that is 
that's quite a nice little addition to the mixing pot. Um, but yeah, I, in particular, I kind of, some of the tracks that surprised me, one with the void, which comes right in the middle, um, just seemed a little bit different. It's after that, like Fletch mentioned, that album opens in quite a Gothenburg way and definitely at the gate stylings for the first track and Nihilist Undone, which is the fourth track, which is all quite fast and heavy, but they take the pace off quite a bit with one into the void with it gets a bit more slower, a bit more melodic with the vocals. There's kind of quite a lot of Tom work on the drums. And yeah, that song in particular just reminded me a little bit of the faceless. Um, but yeah, um, there are a few things that definitely surprised me about this album, but that probably comes from a point of ignorance and not really knowing the band as well. Tony, as someone who does know the band, I guess, what would you say? What kind of things stuck out to you? And was there anything that surprised you about this album when you listened to it? Um, being honest, not really. I've kind of, I've written down sort of in my notes. Um, it doesn't really change things up in the slightest for Darkest Hour. Um, but they're so good at what they do, it doesn't matter, um, to be fair. I mean, the little melodic bits you sort of mentioned, like uh, I think there's a song called Mausoleum where they've got like a, a, a acoustic sort of intro Um yeah, they they've flirted with all those sort of things in in the past, and uh, um, especially in terms of like vocal melodies and stuff. Um, I know there was a bit of a fan backlash, sort of, um, with a few sort of mid albums where they they signed to Sumerian for um, a brief period of time, um, and uh, things went a bit too close to commercial territory for a lot of people in terms of uh, the vocals and stuff. Um, I don't agree with that. I thought they were they were wicked albums. So um, but yeah, yeah, there was a bit, a little bit of a pushback from that. Um, and it's still stuff they're kind of doing, but I think they've kind of recently um they've they've stepped back into a bit. It's a bit rawer nowadays. A bit um they've gone back to sort of their roots. Um, so so yeah, even though there's a lot of melodic stuff going on, I think it's a lot less. Sort of polished than uh than it was, which um yeah a lot of people will be a bit happier about I think. Yeah. Why don't we stick with you, Tony, to talk us through then your summing up and uh, some scores maybe. Um yeah, I think as I said, I don't think there's a lot of sort of experimentation going on with this album, but as I said, it doesn't matter to me. Um, I think listening to this, you wouldn't really believe this is a band nearly 30 years into their career. Um, it's so intense and so savage at the time, uh, at times, especially some of the vocals are just uh, proper, like, throat-ripping stuff. So, so, yeah, and I think it still shows a real desire for them, even at this stage, to prove themselves, uh, even nearly 30 years on, um, which is... Uh, you can't say that for a lot of bands, I'd say. So, yeah, if there's anyone still looking for that sort of original spirit of what made Metalcore um, so sort of exciting at the time, that sort of Swedish Swedish guitars and the, and the punk spirit, I'd say uh, Darkest Hour is still the band to point to and uh, they're still just doing what they do best. Oh, and the score, 8.5, Oh, I'd say. Nice <laughs> Fletch, I'm going to throw to you. Um, yeah, um, speaking of 
what you were saying about when you were talking about track five and how it's a bit of a change of pace. I think that just sort of that that song itself I don't mind, but it just just take me out of it a little bit, especially because I think it was it was followed up, but with a little interlude afterwards, which I felt was just it just seemed a bit unnecessary for me. It didn't need an interlude at that point mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. after the slow the slower track for, personally for me. So that that threw me out of it a little bit. Um, speaking, of, I think Tony mentioned Mausoleum, and that was that. I think that was my my low light of the album. Really, I didn't really. It was. I think it was the vocals for me, the clean vocals on it. Um, I think it, you know, I found it a bit great. So I think maybe that's why they never had the big, uh, big hit like Kelsey or something to cross over into the mainstream because the the the, the clean vocals I, I didn't really gel with. I did write though that the solo at the end of that song is good. To be fair, <laughs> so the, the guitar is still holding its own. I mean. I did like it, and I was impressed by it. I think if this if this was like like you said the title track, sorry the the opening track, if if, if you give me a whole album of that, I think I would have loved it. But <laughs> but <laughs> so but overall, I did think like for this type of stuff, it's not really the kind of thing that I listen to very often. But it did make me feel like this is surely got to be in like sort of the upper tier of that metalcore thing. So I wasn't I was pleasantly surprised and impressed. In that in that sense, so overall, I, d- I did think it was good, and it did make me want to go back. So I am going to go back and check out the the ones Tony mentioned. So like the the sort of classics. So there's enough here that's made me want to you know see see what else they've done in the past. So I did enjoy it, and overall, I think I settled on a, a seven point five. Lovely stuff. Yeah, um, for me. Pretty similar. There was something about this album that reminded me a little bit of the In Flames album that came out at a similar time of year last year. And it is just the time of year that it came out, but that kind of that kind of melodeth that grabs your attention that is there's enough variety in there for me. And um yeah, interest, good songwriting, I think that from what Tony said, it sounds like it's been a staple of theirs for many years. And um, yeah, it took me, There's there are various aspects to it that took me a little bit by surprise. So I, I really enjoyed it. And um, I'm not sure it's going to quite hit the heights that In Flames did for me last year, but I can see this as an album that I will keep going back to. And um, yeah, as I say, just little, little variations in dynamics and speed and tempo, the leads, being a strong part of it and yeah that at the, at the gates chug that they have at times that i really enjoyed i've gone for a 7.6 for this and um yeah I, as i say i can see myself definitely going back to it so that is darkest hour and the album is called perpetual terminal and it is out on the 23rd of february on uh, mnrk heavy cool that's us for today guys thanks very much for uh, coming on no problem thanks for having us yeah absolutely and um yeah we'll be back soon with another show and as always thanks again for all of your hard work on the site and um yeah you know um how much jerry and i appreciate it and look let's hope to get you all on the show soon uh including jerry and have another great talk like we have tonight good stuff cheers boys thanks cheers